Hi, this is Hope. This is Kareem. Hi, this is Katie from Washington, D.C., and you're listening to No Meat Athlete Radio. Hey, everyone. Welcome to No Meat Athlete Radio. Matt Frazier and Doug Hay here, and we've got an interview today, but we were going to jump in without doing any introduction at all, and we tried that, and it worked. But then at the end, I said, you know what? we got to go back and do a quick intro, Doug. Yeah, I think I think it's always good to introduce ourselves before we introduce <laughs> our guests. <laughs> yeah, so this was one where we it, it's four people in the interview, me, you, and these other two guys, uh, Aaron and Jackson, who have written for No Meat Athlete before. And uh, we got into some really, really good content in the, I don't know, a quarter of the way into the interview and throughout the rest. And even the beginning, it's good stuff. But like kind of going in, we knew this was a strange topic for us, one that we hadn't, you know, didn't really have a lot of knowledge about going into, uh, which is this this whole cellular agriculture and like the future of uh, of these non-meat meat products. And, uh, you know, with that with the four people and us sharing a mic and all this, it just, I feel like the beginning we were just a little bit kind of like, yeah, just shakier than usual, maybe. But uh, I don't know. I thought it was. It turned out to be a really interesting conversation and one that uh, is totally worth it if you can uh, bear with. I, I don't know if it's stumbling or what. Whatever we do in the beginning, but you know, I didn't know where it was going at first. He was talking about meat, and I thought this was sort of a vegan thing. This uh, this humane. Sorry, it's not humane meat. Clean it's meat. clean meat. Yes. And I I was thinking that that because I as I said I am I am not informed in these sort of topics at all. It's just never been an interest area of mine for some reason. Maybe it should be. Uh, but we talked. He talked about how like it comes from stem cells from animals, and and I was like, well, what what vegans are going to want that? Even if it even if it is a net good, maybe for the for the whole food production scene, uh, it still seems like such a non-vegan thing. And then then it came out, and and I should have realized it before that that's not even it's not vegans aren't the target market for that. It's kind of how do we improve everyone else's diet as far as sustainability and economics goes, and that accurate and the animals, yeah. Yeah, of course, and and it's still in that good for the animals. It's just not a truly a vegan way of doing it, right? Right. At least not yet. Hopefully, one day it will be. Anyway, interesting interview. But I just wanted to, I wanted to set it up so that people don't hear hear us in the first ten minutes and be like, "Well, I'm checking out of this." Yeah, no, it's is it really interesting. We I had a great time chatting with these guys, and uh, I'm sure Started everyone will, will love listening to it. Yeah. All right. Anything else before we get to it, then, Doug? I think that's it. Okay, sounds good. Well, enjoy the interview, everyone. Hey, everyone. Welcome to another episode of No Meat Athlete Radio. I'm Matt Frazier, joined by Doug Hay, and we're doing something a little bit different today. We haven't tried this in a while. It's a four-person on-the-call interview. The last time we did one of these, we were talking over each other like crazy. So <laughs> we got in the same room today, and uh, I think you guys are in different places, right? We are. Yeah, Boulder, Colorado. Jackson, uh, you're in Valley, U- Idaho. I just said you're in Utah. Shows <laughs> yeah. how much I know. <laughs> so anyway, I guess we should introduce you guys. Um, you are Jackson Long and Aaron Stuber from Thought for Food Lifestyle. That's the name of the blog, but the, the podcast, I think of it as called Thought for Food. Is that accurate? Oh, yeah. Right. That's the Which one. Which is a nifty little play on Food for Thought. <laughs> you see what they did there. <laughs> Uh, but anyway, so you guys have written for Nomad Athlete before, so I'm guessing that people will not be entirely unfamiliar with you. Uh, and Doug and I have both been on your pet podcast separately, but uh, we both really enjoyed that and thought you guys would make good guests on ours just to share some of what you're doing. Um, 
let's see, I'll, the, the briefest possible intros is that Jackson is a cyclist, used to be, or is a high-level cyclist, used to do it at a national and international level, has a master's in applied nutrition, and I think a bachelor's degree in some sort of physiology, right? Uh, yeah, so I have a bachelor's in physiology, and I'm currently in um, grad school right now. I don't have my master's yet, but I should have it by the end of next year. Oh, I know that. I sold that, that story for a long time. <laughs> I'm going to have my it's, PhD it, for a long time. It's, it's implied, yeah. I have, I have four so we... PhDs, uh, six masters. <laughs> and I, yeah, I've been, to, I've, been to, I've been to Mars four times, so it's all okay. good. And, and we yeah. can all start taking Jackson seriously the day that he graduates. But, <laughs> yeah. but up that's until it, now, really I can't. Yeah, yeah, I just can't. So Yeah, and even once you get that one, you could always go back and get another one if you really want to be taken seriously. So Yeah. Ah, nice. Uh, and Aaron is a uh, nurse and ultra runner, correct? Yeah, correct. Registered Good. nurse. Awesome. Good. Uh, and both of you guys are vegan, plant-based. I don't know if you guys use the word vegan. We're going to get into that uh, type of topic, among others. But um, I guess just to get us started, I mean, we it's cool what you guys are doing. You're, you're into the rational, evidence-based approach in the same way that we try to be, although, I mean, the, our brand is No Meat Athlete. So there is sort of this... Uh, implied, I guess a little bit of sort of an implied ethical component to that, perhaps just because it's, it, you know, it's, it's not, uh, we're not shying away from a term like no meat. Whereas I think you guys would, would uh, not use a term like that because I know you try to stay away from that typical uh, BS that you find in, in diet cults. Not to say that, you know, that's, we're infusing our brand with BS, but, uh, <laughs> but, but we have that, BS. <laughs> but that ethical component is there. I mean, Doug and I are both hundred percent vegan and like part of the reason for doing that 100% for me isn't just, it, it's not entirely um, nutrition and health. Because if it were that, then I probably would, would allow some wiggle room, uh, but, it, but it goes beyond that. So we think that's really cool. I'm looking forward to this conversation. And uh, where I want to start off is with food technology, because I know you guys are interested in that. It's something that I am woefully naive about, just really don't understand much uh, as far as the whole environment goes. Um, so I'm, I'm, you guys have claimed that, that food technology will eliminate the words, need for words like vegan and vegetarian. Can you start us off by explaining where, where that idea comes from? Like, what, what does that even mean? Yeah. Um, well, I think a lot of that just stems from this whole kind of clean meat and like plant-based meat technology realm that is sort of this burgeoning industry right now. When I say, or when we say that it takes the word, it makes the word vegan obsolete, what we mean is that when we can finally just grow meat and everyone can just eat the same stuff that they're used to eating, there's no reason for the term, there, there's no justification for the term anymore. Like, you can still eat meat and ethics never applied and environment never applied. So... The importance of sort of defining yourself as a vegan, I think it's taken away. What would you say about that, Jackson? Yeah, well, I think, I mean, first of all, let's define what all this stuff is. Um, I, you know, of course, we all know about veggie burgers and, you know, Gardein chicken nuggets and stuff like that. And that stuff's been around for a long time. Same with soy milk and different almond milks. And, and in recent years, um, this sort of food tech, you know, plant-based food tech space has, has really exploded. And, um, I just read an article recently that I think in the past few years, or maybe even, I think it's 10 years, I think the plant-based food tech sector has grown like 8% in, 
um, or something. I, I can't exactly remember what it said, but uh, yet it's still super small. So the, for example, the plant-based meat market is, I think, one quarter of a percent um, of the entire meat uh, market share. And uh, the, I think the, the plant-based you know, milks and dairies, I think, are like 4% or something like that. And so there's this huge opportunity for companies in terms of markets to break into disrupting in a lot of ways and transforming um, the food system. Uh, in, in ways that, that are, are, are really exciting. And so the plant-based food stuff, of course, is basically just taking various plant proteins and creating uh, meat-like products. So, uh, you know, the most popular common one is is pea protein. That's what companies like Beyond Meat are doing, uh, using peas to create, uh, you know, the Beyond Burger and stuff like that. And that's just because of that pea protein is widely available. But a huge amount of, of plant proteins are are yet to be discovered. And so that's one one thing. And then this kind of new idea of clean meat uh, is, is almost even more exciting to us uh, just because from a science perspective, it, it basically is growing animal cells without using an animal um, and, and using basically, uh, you know, kind of stem cell-like technology to grow layers and layers of cells using a scaffold um, to create a steak or a burger or fish or uh, even even dairy and milk and eggs and stuff like that. So um, really exciting because like Aaron said, it, it really eliminates that need for for an animal to create these products if people still want to eat that. And, you know, in a lot of ways, the demand for meat and, and eggs and, and animal products isn't going anywhere necessarily. It's it, 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 in a lot of ways, it's actually increasing throughout the world. And so if we can create a technology that that really changes that landscape for the better um, to make it cleaner in terms of foodborne illness, make it um, potentially a bit healthier by reducing the you know, cholesterol side and, and some of the saturated fat, and then, of course, most importantly, reducing and eliminating the kind of ethical concerns that exist within industrialized um, animal agriculture so that's kind of the the background there and and you know these these products are are just exploding right now and and there was a recently a big deal there's a, a company and of course clean meat is still far or far ways off from being hitting the mainstream i think it costs you know ten thousand dollars a pound or something right now to have uh clean chicken or clean meat but uh we're looking Memphis, at probably five to ten years yeah, is the it, projection. That's that's what some of them are saying, and and you know that would be great. And so, Memphis Meats is kind of leading the charge in a lot of ways on this. It's a it's a company based in San Francisco by Dr. Uma Valetti, who's like a a cardiologist and and kind of stepped out of medicine to work in this field. And and they just got a uh, I think seventy five million dollar investment from big titans like uh, Richard Branson, Bill Gates, uh, Kimball Musk, and some others. And so, and same with, and Cargill, uh, you know, an animal agriculture corporation. And so these, these people, big investors, and even players in the animal agriculture industry are seeing the writing on the walls because they understand that, look, we're not in the business of murdering animals. We are in the business of, of making people, you know, of, of making protein for people to make money. And so, if we can kind of change that and, and meet the demand where where it's where it's coming, we can really there's a, there's a lot of money to be made. 
Okay, so I apologize for being totally uninformed here, but I'm still not totally clear on on this clean meat idea. You say it comes from stem cells. Are, is that actual animal? Like, is it coming from animals in that way, but just only one time, and then we don't need to do it anymore? Is that the idea? Yes, correct. So <clears throat> you basically take a very very small tissue sample from, let's say, a chicken, and then that original cell line can be multiplied and multiplied and used over and over and over again to grow chicken. So like a chicken breast or something like that. So it doesn't require the repeated use of animals to sort of harvest their cells. You do it one time. And Um, there's also, they are also working on and, and are going to be reaching it fairly quickly ways to do that without actually using, um, a biopsy from an animal. So what happens now is a thing called um, fetal bovine serum, basically a sesame size biopsy from um, a fetal cow that, you know, obviously that's highly unethical. And so they're working on finding ways to eliminate that need and they're actually figuring it out. And for, for more on that, there, we have an episode with Chrissy Legali of the Good Food Institute, who is an expert um, senior scientist that works with these kind of companies. So we recently interviewed her, and so she has a better explanation of all this. But yeah, essentially, it's it's in the infant stages of of happening, and so yeah, they take this cell line and they basically um, kind of like a, you do in a brewery for beer, they ferment it and they create uh, you know different cell lines across a you know what they call a scaffold because these cells need to grow just like along tendons and bone. Um, they, they kind of grow this culture and, and it's it's kind of grown in a big bioreactor. And, and once those kinds of things get to scale, then it, it'll be a lot more efficient than, you know, growing an animal, using an animal as the bioreactor that also has to grow, you know, hooves and, and bones and hair and, and, and all these things. It's just, it's a, it's a very inefficient machine. And so um, companies like, uh, you know, Hampton Creek, uh, Memphis Meats and and others are are really doing some amazing work in this in this field. So it sounds kind of bizarre to me. Like, and I'm wondering, are, are there a lot of vegans, you know, ethical vegans who are who are involved in this and in favor of this? Uh, I'm just trying to picture. I mean, the, the actual act of eating a steak. I guess if you knew that it came from animal stem cells, that would make it somewhat less appetizing for sure. If it somehow didn't at all um but was grown like meat on a scaffold <laughs> because we needed to have tendons and bones and things that resemble those it just seems so weird to me and bizarre like do people think that vegans are on board for this or is it or is this more to like let's do this for everyone who who i think isn't this is vegan really and we can hope to do this instead because it's the next best thing towards everybody else uh yeah, this is this is not this is not for the vegan yeah, this crowd. Is nothing I think to the plant based meat tech definitely there's there's some need there for for vegans. Um, you know, you're looking at the Beyond Burger and stuff like that. Like there are plenty of vegans who are going to eat stuff like that, but the clean meat, the actual meat, no, that's that's really for everybody else. Well, and, I mean, to think about it, it's like I mean the way I the way I sort of see this is is it really weird to eat that because it's 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 highly you know it's highly controlled it's sanitary these there's no animal that's being forced into you know industrialized system you know rife with uh you know sickness and and kind of just really horrifying disgusting conditions i don't know you know to 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 me the the kind of clean meat 
is is clean you know it's it's actually clean it's not it's um it's it's much more uh you know appealing to to someone who knows what's going on in terms of factory farms and and i think that's what they're kind of going for it's it's sort of a nod to clean energy where it's it's just a much more efficient technology that 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 kind of casts all the negatives away to really just get to the fundamental of what meat is and 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 bringing that in a way that that is a lot healthier from a foodborne illness you know perspective since that's a huge problem and and it also um, reduces the likelihood of antibiotic resistance happening which is a, a really tremendous issue um, so I think yeah I think for a lot of vegans that first hear about this it's it's kind of a weird sort of Frankenstein ish sort of thing but when you really think about it critically I just feel like it's it's sort of a no-brainer in a lot of ways you know yeah I think it's a good point that that I mean while it may seem bizarre for someone who's currently vegan to imagine themselves eating that um when you think it from the other perspective i mean think about how bizarre the current food system sure. is would be to someone you know 500 years ago who just hunted right so that is our current situation is is very bizarre and when we think about improving those who not improving but those who eat you know who buy into that current system having them transition to this different system um, that that does put it. But into Matt, a you bring you bring you really you bring up a great point, and this um, is the ultimate challenge of the clean meat industry: is to sell to mainstream America the idea of eating lab-grown. You know what 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 technically is lab-grown meat, which is really being called clean meat now. When people think about it. I think a lot of people are turned off by that idea because they're like, oh, like, uh, I don't want to like, why, I don't want to get involved with that. It seems like when it just comes from the animal, it's there's something like pure about it, you know, because you're just sort of used to it. So definitely the clean meat industry, they have a challenge and that that one of the challenges is getting the technology to scale and making it price competitive. But the other challenge is getting mainstream America to adopt the technology and that has yet to be seen. So that's going to be an interesting hurdle. Yeah. I mean, in, in some ways it kind of goes against the, right. For, for meat eaters who are paying attention to where their food is coming from, right. They're like buying it locally, they're buying it free range, all that type of stuff. It kind of goes away from the more natural shift that it seems to be happening in all food, not just, meat eaters but in in all food uh so it'll be interesting to see if like if those type of people would be on board with this because it is a cleaner more ethical approach or if um it's just too bizarre or too i don't know unnatural for what they expect when they buy a steak yeah and it's interesting that you know some early polls that that some of these companies have done and and again i don't know exactly what their demographics looking at but uh, it's it seems like the response has been pretty positive to uh you know the the kind of idea of this of this clean meat like hey would you eat this product and uh, you know i think a majority of people still say yes i would um and of course if people like richard branson and and kimball musk and bill gates and stuff and even cargill are getting behind it then i think that that is a sign that there is a potential that it might become um you know more acceptable (laughs) in the mainstream nah no. <laughs> um, no. All right. So I want to talk about the the plant based meats, the, the 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 new technology in plant based meats, and where things are going with that. I mean, 
uh, Beyond Meat and, and all these new companies are making, uh, you know, I guess you'd call them better veggie burgers, right? They're, uh, they are supposed to taste better. They, many of them are designed to look and feel um, more like traditional meat burgers. Um, and they're kind of moving away from like the, the black bean patty or whatever that, uh, that we're used to. Where do you think that that new technology, the new plant-based meat technology, plays into both uh, the current vegan community and then also uh, your non-vegan community and getting them to yeah? Eat well, meat the first thing I would say is that meat. it's um, it's cost-effective right now. Um, it's it's actually cheaper to use plants um, to make these these products now. Right now, so like the Beyond Burger, for example, price-wise is going to be somewhere in in that range of like your like a grass-fed like a sort of a high-end like grass-fed patty um but uh give it another i don't know two three maybe four years and i think those technologies will be cheaper than like the cheapest frozen meat patty and so price-wise i think we're there and i think that appeals to everybody that shops for food because most people are looking for taste convenience and price so i think they're going to have that nailed taste wise um you know i've had a number of like staunch meat eaters try the beyond burger and they're pretty freaking impressed um i I think most of them would agree that it's not identical to like a really nice burger but it's pretty freaking close. And I've, I've, I've had a lot of people admit to me that they would be willing to do that 50% of the time, let's say. So I think taste-wise, they're getting really close. What would you add to that, Jackson? Yeah, well, and I think also just, uh, you know, we talked, you know, talked about clean meat and this sort of crazy, you know, futuristic idea of growing, you know, real true meat in a lab. And, and that's still a, a far ways off. And the beauty of plant-based meat is that it's here, it's right now, you know, and it's actually catalyzing change and actually kind of slowly, but surely, like I said earlier, it has a fraction of a percent, uh, you know, of, of the total meat industry, but it's, it's, it's getting in there and it's starting to um, sort of break into that space. And, and it's actually helping reduce, you know, the issues of animal agriculture. Um, but like, you know, Aaron said, it's not perfect. And I think if you would ask someone like Ethan Brown, who, you know, is a CEO of, of Beyond Meat, I, I think he would say that we still have a long ways to go. We're getting close, but we still have a long ways to go. And in, in term, again, I think Beyond Meat also isn't um, working towards, uh, you know, vegans. They're not, they're not trying to appeal to vegans necessarily. And, um, you know, I was actually out in El Segundo earlier this year, t- uh, meeting with, with Beyond Meat and I had Ethan on the podcast and I talked to, I went on a, actually a bike ride with one of their like main biochemists, um, who was integral in creating the Beyond Burger and he's a staunch meat eater, you know, and he, he's a biochemist and he, and so they have people like that coming on to develop these products with the kind of mainstream meat eater, you know, barbecue loving person in mind. And so, um, but I know plenty of vegans that love the Beyond Burger, including myself and Aaron. And so it is, it's kind of a best of both worlds scenario. And then of course there's also impossible foods, which the impossible burger is made with a special compound called leg hemoglobin, which is heme iron, um, is kind of the main constituent of meat that gives it that sort of irony, um, very, 
specific and kind of known flavor and, 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 and meaty taste that you get in a burger. And they found a way to extract that from um, legumes, you know, and from plants. And so that's kind of what sets them apart. It's still not available at retail yet. But again, when we talk about the mainstream, these products are getting placed into uh, you know, standard burger restaurants as, uh, as an option. And, and people are like, wow, this is insane. And, and so I think again, yeah, we're, we're a little bit of a ways off, but, uh, you know, and the beauty of it is if you don't want to eat it, you don't have to, you know, there's plenty of, of, of other plant-based options. But again, I think for the mainstream, once they get it right, once they really dial in, um, that kind of recipe, it's cool. And, and something that Pat Brown, who's the CEO of, of Impossible Foods, talks about a lot is that, you know, animals are, are animals. They're kind of like, once you take their meat, like that's as far as you can go. But with the plant kingdom and with plant-based food tech, who knows where we can go? We can maybe even go beyond that and make something even crazier and even more amazing than the, the flavor of meat and so it's beyond i think it's just meat? i got a business yeah, idea exactly. beyond beyond meat. <laughs> yeah, exactly you can go beyond the meat and so there's just you know so many different compounds and it's um and i think that's just why we're so excited about it is just because it kind of melds together all of these uh really fascinating industries of of science and technology and food um, and business and marketing and stuff like that. And, and, and I mean, who knows, but again, it's like, as you know, the four of us are vegan. And so it's not necessarily our, like, it's not focused on us, you know? Yeah. Okay. So this, this is clearly a win for sustainability and, you know, uh, animal welfare and economics. But to me, I mean, what we're talking about now, this is this is still junk food, right? I mean, to me, Beyond Meat, it's isolated pea protein. Uh, you know, the field roast stuff is wheat gluten. You can use whatever else you want to make this stuff. Some of them are made from tofu, I know, and that's that's somewhat better. But like, aside from food safety sort of issues and foodborne illness and eliminating that, I'm just curious, what what role do you think this stuff plays in the in making everyone healthier? I mean. I guess I guess one thing we could do is rather than compare it to a whole black bean burger, we could compare it to animal protein. And and I guess people could argue whether or not this is better than that. Uh, and I think many would argue that it is better than that. Um, but you know, I've had I've had conversations with a friend of mine, Ray Cronice. You guys may know of him. Yeah. Um, and he has kind of got me thinking about the idea that like that this vegan junk food that is flooding the market. And and I think the the um, the least bad of the offenders is is things like pea protein in in Beyond Meat. Um, there's there's obviously much junkier vegan food than that. But his his concern, he says this even happened. I don't know when what period he was referring to, but his concern is that this stuff will kind of flood the market. We will make vegan plant based foods mainstream, and then ten years down the road, we're going to all find out that no one's any healthier for it because we all ate this this junk food. And, and we thought we were making an upgrade because we were eliminating animal products, but all we were really doing was finding, uh, we were just now eating processed foods instead of eating whole plants, which is really where so many of these health benefits come from. Um, and then at that point, I guess there'd be a backlash and we'd say, hey, the, the vegan thing didn't work. Let's go back to the old way. Do you guys think, is there any concern with, with that? Uh, or do you think that these, these fake meats, for lack of a better term, that their health 
uh, benefits or health, you know, the, 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 the impact of them on our health, that that can get much better too? Yeah, I mean, I'm really glad that you brought that up because everything that we've talked about up until this point is mainly directed and focused on the environmental and ethical implications of eating animal products. And, and you know, it's we sort of, you sort of uh, alluded to that early, like right at the very beginning of this conversation, how, you know, all of us are, are vegan um, for reasons way beyond health and, and um, you know, the, it's really getting harder and harder to argue uh, against eating a plant-based diet for environmental considerations and for, you know, ethical considerations. I mean, obviously the way in which we, you know, raise and, and, and slaughter animals for consumption is, is, is pretty terrible. It's pretty, uh, you know, incredible how, um, you know, insane it is. And, and so these products, these fake meats and stuff are really designed, I think, primarily to address those issues. And then the health is a whole, the health kind of side is a whole nother issue. And of course, these products aren't the healthiest option. You know, you're much better off eating a big bowl of beans and potatoes and greens and, you know, nuts and seeds and stuff like that, because we know, at least from, uh, you know, a more, uh, you know, peer-reviewed evidence-based perspective that those products are super healthy. And of course, like the Beyond Burger still has a lot of oil in it and it still has, you know, it's, it's, it's much more processed than whole foods. But um, again, I think we can, I think you're right. I think that if and when this does, um, these things do kind of hit the mainstream, of course, we'd love, we'd love everyone to be on a whole food plant-based diet. But, um, and if everyone did, that'd be great. And we, if we would, if we didn't have a need for any of these products, awesome. I'm, I'm all for that. But I think if we want to talk about, um, you know, our health doesn't necessarily matter in a lot of ways if we are dying from otherwise preventable infections because we have reached the era of antibiotic resistance and we, you know, our, our, our climate is changing so rapidly that we, you know, we, we have bigger and, and more, you know, timely things to, to worry about. But yeah, I think some of these products are healthy. They are, um, you know, have the potential to be, um, you know, great options. And of course we like to consider them as like transition foods for people that are trying to step into a plant-based diet. Most people that I know that, um, have kind of gone from a standard way of eating into a plant-based lifestyle, don't just go straight from eating, you know, McDonald's and, and Burger King into eating, um, you know, raw romaine with some black beans without salt or oil or, you know, sauces. And so I think of course we would, you know, there's, there's an idealistic way of looking at all of this, but I think we just have to sort of, you know, be willing to, to see it as this sort of transitional period, but yeah, who knows? Yeah. I mean, I think there are plenty of ways to make the technology a little bit healthier. And, you know, I think right now they, you know, plant-based burgers or, you know, plant-based tech burgers like the Beyond Burger are arguably healthier than the original thing. But I, yeah, I mean, I think we really see these as transitional foods and, and also staple foods potentially for people who just really aren't interested in the health, um, implications who just want their burger. Um, 
but are concerned about environment and are concerned about factory farms and things like that and don't want to be a part of that system. So, yeah, I mean, I'm sure the technology will continue to be improved, um, but I think it's hard to make something like an Impossible Burger or a Beyond Burger really healthy. Um, I just, in fact, I think it's probably impossible, but (laughs) (laughs) no pun intended, (laughs) but, but, um, but what I don't think it matters. I think, um, the people who enjoy those foods will continue to have those every once in a while. And you know what, if we can get the mainstream to transition off of eating real animals and to go onto those plant-based staples, and then maybe on their way past those, they go to a whole food plant-based diet. Like that's the highest the bar could be raised, but, um, until there's... until the conspiracy comes along, when, yeah. when Beyond Meat, we think they're trying to keep us in the transition phase. And they're not letting yeah. people move out of there. Yeah, like, exactly. Yeah, like the want... hospitals that don't <laughs> want us to actually prevent disease, they just want us. They just want to keep curing it. Of course, of course. So we can cross that bridge, I guess, and, <laughs> and uh, form a mutiny against Beyond Meat when that when that time comes. Right, and it definitely will be that. It won't be any other companies. Just just them. Just, yeah, just them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Good. All right. Um, so I want to talk about this this the idea of being 100% vegan in light of of the the developments in food technology, um, I appreciate that you guys are are like myself and I think like Doug in um, being able to admit that from a health perspective, being 100% vegan is not the only good choice. And I am speaking only from health perspective. I don't want people to think that that's my my ideological or ethical stance. Like, like I said, I'm 100% vegan for those reasons. But uh, I, you know, I, I do appreciate when people can kind of, we talked about the, the kind of BS in diet cults, and I do appreciate when people can, can step back from that and look at science uh, and, you know, agree with, with, if the science bears this out. Um, but it seems that when people like Joel Furman are saying you can probably eat 10% of your calories from junk food, whether those junk food are animal products or plant products, and it's not clear that you'll be any worse off as far as your long-term health goes than someone who eats 100% healthy foods. And those healthy foods might be, might, in Furman's view, this nutritarian view, those are plant products. So his point there, and Joel Furman, you know, I consider him a pretty strict vegan doctor. I don't really know what yeah. his ethical ideological stance is. Yeah, I don't But either. I think of him as someone who's, he's in it for the science. I know that that's definitely the first and foremost thing. At least he, he would like us to believe that. And I have no reason to doubt it. Um, but it's interesting to me that someone who we think of as such a strict vegan doctor could say something like, if you get 5 to 10% of your calories from animal products, I can't say for sure that you're any less healthy than someone who eats 100% nutritarian. Uh, what do you guys think about that? I mean, the, the, we've, the Blue Zones, of course, very popular. I love that book. Those those lifestyles tend to incorporate some bit of, of animal products, but they do it as a, as a side dish or a condiment very or you know a twice-a-month thing that you do at a festival. Uh, I don't know. What do you guys think about that in light of of this food? You know, will will this the changes that are happening, the technological changes that are happening in food, will that somehow affect um, or will play into this conversation with with eliminating those words like vegan and vegetarian? Like, where does the the this health wiggle room thing come into that conversation? Yeah. Well, so the word that you used not it's not clear that's really the perfect thing to say so if you really are committed and this is something jackson and i talk about all the time we are staunchly um in defense of science all the time nutrition science and 
from the perspective of the preponderance of evidence in nutrition science right now, it's not actually clear whether you need to go vegetarian or even 100% vegan to have the best longevity and the lowest amount of debilitating chronic disease. So yeah, we go to the blue zones. I always jump to the blue zones first because these are the healthiest, longest living people on the planet. They do not, with the exception of one of those groups, they do not, they are not vegans, right? So they eat a very small percentage of, of daily, sometimes weekly calories from animal products. But the majority of their diet is composed of whole plant foods. There, there aren't any processed or refined foods in there. And so I think vegan, 100% vegan is still a bit of a social experiment, like from a historical and like cultural perspective. And we just don't have quite enough science right now to say definitively that like a whole food plant-based diet, 100% is the healthiest way to go. We do know that it can be super healthy if you do it right. And you can um, do amazing things from the perspective of preventing and reversing chronic disease. But another thing that I like to bring up that I don't hear a lot of vegans talk about or, or people are just not honest about it most of the time is like if we talk about Ornish's sort of landmark research, the lifestyle heart trial where he put people on a, a basically vegetarian diet. And then did meditation and some exercise and stress reduction and stuff like that and was able to reverse severe coronary artery disease in the majority of his patients. What I don't see people talking about much is that those people reversed disease eating yogurt and nonfat milk. That was part of the dietary regimen. People like to say that they were on a vegan diet. They weren't. It was a vegetarian diet. And then, of course, you have work by Esselstyn, which was you know, pretty interesting stuff, very small sample size, like very small patient population in his studies, no controls, right? So if you have no controls, you don't really know for sure that that's that the diet was doing it. But anyways, I think where I'm going with that is that we just don't really know for sure. We know you can do really well on a totally whole food plant-based diet, especially if you take the right supplements. Um, but we can't say for sure that that's the only way to go. Um, I think there really is some wiggle room. And I think that science would tell us that it is that sort of 10% window, like Furman was saying. So um, I'm just, I'm kind of wondering where to go next. I, I wonder, like, I don't know, this this might be a jump into a new topic, but you guys mentioned earlier that that the idea of being vegan, I, I feel like that gives a person... Um, a large amount of personal significance and a sense of an identity. Uh, I don't know. Like what happens if, what happens if food is, if meat, if clean meat, you know, if, if we got to the point where it was, it was truly, you, you could look at that as a vegan food. There were no animal cells involved in it in any way. Um, and, you know, it wasn't, and it came, got to the point where we were fairly certain that you didn't need to be hundred percent vegan uh, you could be ninety percent vegan, or you know, not even have a word for that anymore. I don't know, like, what happens to people's to people's identity? Like, just does this whole movement get destroyed because we and and not not that that would be a bad thing, right? If if it if the whole planet is uh, that would be many vegans' dream right now, right? They would say that's what we want: the whole planet to be right. vegan and not even have a word for it. But then, but then, where do people get their get their sense of self worth and mattering? Not that you guys know the answer to this, but uh, I don't no. know. I just wonder that. Hey, I've been to Mars. I know everything. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, why don't, no, why don't think, you hit that, Jackson? Yeah, I think it's a. I think it's a great point. I mean, I think that 
I mean, I'm sort of, in a lot of ways, I'm sort of an idealist, but I'm also sort of a realist as well, because I think that we're never necessarily going to reach a point unless we're on Mars and Elon Musk's vision of a completely vegan Mars, you know, the earth is destroyed, we're completely screwed, everyone's just eating potatoes on Mars like Matt Damon. Um, I think the, I, I think there's always still going to be people eating meat. Uh, and like, it's, I think it's going to reach a point sooner rather than later where it's almost taboo to, to eat meat, kind of like how we view people eating dogs in China as this like, uh, you know, sort of like, what? You know, like it's just this horrific idea. But I think that's sort of going to happen with just general farmed animals. But that's kind of a different conversation. I think, again, I think what you said about you know, identity is, is really important. And I, and I do really believe that. And again, I think I speak for both Aaron and I that, that we do identify as, as vegans in a lot of ways, because it, it's sort of really the best way to describe this sort of lifestyle of, of really, you know, having, um, an awareness and, and understanding of the environmental and, and ethical things. But again, we just sort of also don't really like the term vegan that much because it for people trying to lean into this lifestyle it it can turn them off and it can be sort of intimidating and so if our goal is to get more people to you know be quote-unquote vegan um even that word itself and that sort of identity and sort of that niche of of that kind of diet cult although i don't want to say that veganism is a cult in any way it can be for sure but it's not in in general terms it's not um i think if we want people to kind of hit that then even the word vegan can really turn people off and so that's why i think clean meat and plant-based meat sort of eliminates that issue and i think you're right i think it is vegans dreams if we're really um objective about it i think it's all of our dreams to not even have to think about the word vegan where we just we just live our normal lives and do our normal thing and we're not murdering animals and we're not contributing massive amounts of greenhouse gases to the planet um i think that's that's the way what the way it should be but again i think that i mean at least for me i've i've my life has has improved tremendously since i've sort of made this switch to a vegan lifestyle and um, I think that, you know, a lot of my great friends are vegan and, and I think that um, there is something to be said about having a community that that people um, sort of are are kind of on the same page in a lot of ways. But yeah, it's it's a it's an interesting philosophical question. Yeah, well, man, we could, we could all paint stars on our bellies. Like if everybody else was, if everyone <laughs> in the whole world was vegan, we could do that. And then somehow we'd be a little. Yeah, bit exactly. Well, not, not to be a, a buzzkill here, but there's there's no way that we're ever going to get to a point where it's cheaper in some rural community you know in the united states or outside of the united states that uh you know a family has their chickens and they raise their chickens and they eat the eggs and they you know or, or whatever they have a goat and and that's like a food source for them there's no way yeah that, exactly that's what that, i'm saying that lab grown meats or or plant-based milks are ever going to be as cheap as that right sure they will. i think they could right uh, i mean like um, economies I, of scale would dictate that you could yeah. do much more on a large scale even if it's a totally different method than yeah just i one thing. i th- i think yeah i think you both have good points and i think matt's right like economies of scale would dictate that you could if it was big enough if it was mass enough it would be like the cheapest toy from China, right? Like you could 
but I think the problem is distribution, right? Like you right. just you're I mean, not going to be. And, and I think right. from what exactly. I'm saying is that there's there's just like there's always going to be people murdering each other and raping each other. There's going to be crazies out there that that feel this like need to go out and shoot an animal and like skin it and eat it. I mean, I think that's just right. unfortunately the way things are. Yeah, but it's a, it's 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 a very it's a very interesting question. It's a very interesting philosophical thing to I think juggle. Um I hope that it gets big enough that we can actually start having those arguments, right? Like where where yeah. we actually feel Absolutely. like wow, there is no need for this word anymore. I mean, if it could get that big, like, wow, how cool would that be? Um, I hope, I hope that that's true. I don't know that that's going to happen, but I'm all for less dogma and, and sort of less barriers between human beings. And, but at the same time, human beings are very tribal and, and very dogmatic. It's just in our nature. And so even if, even if clean meat and and plant-based meat was in every grocery store, you know, in every market in the world, we're going to find plenty of other ways, I think, to like fi- find our little niche and our little tribe and, and continue <laughs> warring with each other, like over very small details probably, but... Like if thought, if, if thought for food, if there's no need for thought for food to be or no sure. meat athlete or even if there's no, you know, need for... Um, you know, any of these animal rights organizations, like that's, that's a win. That is mission accomplished. Yeah, right. absolutely. Cool. Sure. Yeah. All right. Um, so I, I hope that people listening to this, I would imagine some people have, it has made people a little bit uncomfortable. I, and I think that's a good thing. I think like we've kind of said, the theme here has, has been, let's, let's not be in the, in the typical box where you can't talk about these certain issues that might, you know, undermine something that the, that the tribe believes in. Um, so I, I like that. I think that's that's where the interesting conversations happen. Our last episode actually happened to be a similar conversation, not similar, but the same sort of idea. Um, and Doug and I were kind of not so much debating because we both ended up coming up on the same side of it. But we were wondering, like, what do you think of the the vegan health documentaries? Are they are they a good thing for the movement? When when a new documentary comes out and there's all this controversy about it, and the people who watch it, it's this polarizing thing. And those who watch it, a large, relatively speaking, large percentage of them say, "Hey, I have to go vegan." And the other people who watch it just think it's the worst thing ever and, you know, <laughs> just put it all over the internet as a joke. And I don't know. I mean, do you think these things are good for our movement or are we at the point where um, we can, we can, uh, we need, should be more, um, you know, not, not, not to say that things like what the health aren't scientific, because certainly they're citing science and that's, that's part of the appeals that it is. But we're, I mean, it's cherry picking things that, sure. you know, make for more drama and yep. make it more, and make it a good documentary. So, I don't know. What do you guys think? Where do those things belong in this movie? Could we do better by by having more balance and really kind of trying to come at it scientifically, or do you think stirring stuff up is uh, is just is part of the part? Is it is what we need? Uh, that's 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 a great topic, and that's a hard one to get to the bottom of because you know part of me says Jackson. I talk about this all the time. Is like okay, Kip and Keegan who made What the Health and they made Cowspiracy. Like they aren't. They're not scientists and they're not, they don't see the world through the lens of like peer reviewed studies. They, they're activists and they're trying to, they tried to create a documentary that had some science in it, but also had some very, um, sensationalist. Uh, yeah, content. some very sensational things in it in it too. And I think really their intention and their goal speaking specifically about that 
documentary is to create controversy, to get people talking, to get people sharing the movie. I mean, I, I've never seen, I have seen so much mainstream media coverage of that documentary now that it's crazy. I mean, it's on Good Morning America. It's on all of these mainstream shows and people are debating about it and they're talking about it. And so I think probably from their perspective, it's been a huge success in in the sense that they're getting people to have a dialogue about issues in our medical system and issues in our food system. But I would say the vast majority of the coverage that I see has been negative. So I, I don't know whether that is has sort of like moved moved the needle forward or whether we have sort of taken two steps back because we, everyone thinks we're crazy. Yeah, I right. think it's I think it's a total double edged sword. And, uh, you know, I really respect what Kip and Keegan are trying to do. I mean, they're trying to do the same thing we all are, and that's to, you know, really educate the public about these issues and help kind of push the needle towards a more compassionate, healthy and sustainable way of, of living. And, um, you know, who knows, it's impossible to know what the actual results are of those of the mainstream kind of thing. I think even Kip and Keegan, if they were here right now would say, look, even though, even if Aaron, the, the, the all the response is negative. I mean, that's maybe just what you see it. You might not necessarily, know objectively for a fact that that's true right they might say well that's great we love that we want the response because that's getting more eyes on our documentary more opportunities for people to go vegan to um understand what's going on but um you know at the same time i i think that there's pretty good evidence that like i think 80 percent of people that go vegan um kind of fall back to eating, you know, animal products again, um, after a certain number of, of years or whatever it is. And, um, and so that's a real big problem. So even if it's just turning, you know, people vegan by the thousands and the millions or whatever, you know, like who knows if in five years from now that just kind of resets back. Um, and so I think it's a great point that, you know, again, it's, it, it, the documentary would be extremely boring and ineffective if it was perfectly 100% science-based and it was just right. Dr. Gregor yeah. talking about, you know, different studies. Like, that's that's not what their their goal is. They they know perfectly well that, that they're kind of, you know, being a little bit sensationalist, stirring up controversy. That's their point and goal. Yeah. And I think that, you know, I, I think that it's... it's it, I, think in, I think it's going to be a net good, personally. I think that it... Mm. Um, I think that it has the potential to really kind of stimulate change. Um, but again, it, only time will tell if it actually will. And that's why I think using the markets, using the laws of supply and demand through food technology and, and stuff like that will actually um, potentially have lasting change. So I'm sort of thinking, prob- I hope that the net good of what the health is that it just gets people using the word vegan a lot, right? right it just sort of raises, saying. raises awareness for it like just vegan at all. Yeah, exactly. Yep. I worry about reputation a lot. And so it's very easy for a body of science, you know, like a study or a series of studies or a movie or a politician or you, you name it to get out there in the mainstream and then immediately have their reputation tarnished forever, right? And so if the reputation of what's the health is this really biased, 
crazy sensational vegan documentary that everybody makes fun of i don't know how much good that did so i hope you're right jackson well, yeah, and, we and, we both came out on the side that that yes, they are a net good for the movement, and as just listening to you guys has kind of clarified it a little bit for me. Um, I think a huge amount of the benefit, not to say that there aren't some of these downsides, like you guys have touched on, because um, I, I noticed many of the same things, but the fact that people are talking, the people know what vegan is as right. a result, and that just like the the curtain has been lifted a little bit for a lot of people. On you know, we've seen it done with the with the ethical the sort of animal mm-hmm. agriculture stuff and now it's it's this this big really a big secret cover-up has been that 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 animal food is not that good for you right that, that is that message is not really out there and is a lot of money has gone into covering that up um so now just a ton of people and even if those people were to go vegan and then not last very long because they're not very well equipped to do so or something and they come back and and five years from now the whole planet has gone vegan but come back i feel like we're kind of in a better spot then because at least now people now there's at least a question in people's minds and when they think about food like this is this is part of it it's not just this thing that no one even knows about anymore right it's making the plant-based thing less and less niche regardless of of if it's effective or not it's just it it sort of paves the way, I think, for more and more people. I mean, that's that's the reason why I sort of went vegan was after watching Forks Over Knives. And I think a lot of the same things can be said about that documentary. And so um, whether, I mean, I'm, I'm fully committed to staying vegan the rest of my life, but I, I think that... Um, you know, I think I'm, a, I'm, I think I'm a great example of, of like that, that, you know, it's, it's once you kind of see those things, it sort of opens your eyes because I was a typical person saying, oh, you know, veganism, it's just kind of this like fad thing that, you know, kind of frail, weak animal activists do. But once you sort of open your eyes and whether or not you fully be- believe the science, I think for the mainstream, that documentary, you know, might have, uh, you know, a lot of, a lot of, um, kind of sweeping effect on on people and and yeah i mean again only time will tell and i think that it's it's uh just something to think about and and i think that again kip and keegan mean only well with their doc with that documentary and with their documentary cowspiracy i think that they are both really good people um but yeah it's just it's when you hit something like that in the mainstream it's and it's also hard i mean i think even guys like Dr. Greger and Barnard and, and, you know, Garth Davis and Michelle McMack and these doctors that are involved in that documentary would say, well, you say that it's biased, but it's also biased in terms of, you know, that there's kind of this, you know, predominance, um, you know, preponderance of evidence to support this, you know, in general. And so, Mm -hmm. um, you know, Dr. Greger says you can't cherry pick if there's only one cherry, you know? And so it's, uh, again, I think that, no matter what you do, you you can always find a study that's going to support whatever viewpoint you have. And of course they took out, you know, some specific studies, but I think the, the, the underlying theme and the main big picture there is, is, is still pretty solid. Well, I kind of have a little bit of an update since we recorded that episode last (laughs) week, Matt. And uh, so my wife had went, you know, we, we went vegan together and then uh, she, fairly quickly i would say went back to being vegetarian and has been vegetarian for um well she's been vegetarian for a very long time but uh anyway for the past few years she has remained vegetarian while i remained vegan uh but she watched that documentary last week and she recommitted to going vegan oh yeah yeah see i mean there it is they were 
I know. So, I mean, you know, like part of what we were discussing is that um, they, they, you know, they seem to be most effective for people who are uh, already leaning vegetarian or already leaning vegan, just kind of like re-excite them about, you know, their choices um, and whether it's even effective at all towards the mainstream. But, I mean, you know, I think that any win is a win and, and um, it was definitely a win for, for Katie. Yeah, I think you're so, right. Anyway, we don't need to rehash that conversation. <laughs> I think actually that the last time we did one of these four-person interviews was with Kip and Keegan, right? It was, yeah. <laughs> it was. After let's get an eight. Let's get a let's get a six-person on. Let's invite Kip. Yes. And Keegan. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone's good. Just All right. Well, uh, well, this was fun, guys. I think uh, I this is a very different episode than what we have typically done, but I I found it stimulating. So I hope uh, hope you guys enjoyed it as well, and I hope everyone listening to it enjoyed it. I love talking about we, all this stuff. We, so. it's been a pleasure being on, man. We we appreciate your time. Let's let's maybe we can make this like a roundtable series where we just talk about the most controversial things. <laughs> yeah. Just piss veganism. off the, the vegan world. <laughs> yeah. Cool. So if people want to find out more from you guys, uh, the Thought for Food podcast, iTunes, best place to find that. I'm guessing. Yep. And tffLifestyle.com is your kind of home for blog, podcast, and all that ever other good stuff. We have a sweet and they YouTube have a, channel. A very active YouTube channel. Oh, YouTube, channel. right. Yeah. Yeah. Where's that? How do, how do we find that? That's I don't just, know how to use the YouTubes. Uh, yeah, you just it's Thought for Food TV on YouTube. Um, I make little vlogs and, and videos every once in a while, and I like to think they're kind of cool. So, All right. Good. Well, then that's well, it. Yeah, thanks, thank guys. you guys so Appreciate much. It. Appreciate yeah. everything that you do, and uh, you know, it's, it's always fun to talk and, and keep, keep doing what you're doing. All right. Same to you guys. Take care, y'all. All right, bye.